it's Lo, and you are tuned in to Wrestling Wind Down. On this week's episode, I am joined by Anissa Barr. She is the host of the AEW After Show on AfterBuzz TV. We'll be chatting about the latest in professional wrestling, including the new Raw Underground, the crowning of the number one contender for the NXT Women's Championship, and much more. We also have the latest on the AEW Heels membership and the controversy that surrounds it, and of course, our newest segment, Sip and tell. So grab your glass of wine. We're going in for the three count. As I mentioned in my intro, I have Anissa Barr on the show today as my guest co-host. Welcome, Anissa. I hope you're ready to sip some wine and talk some wrestling. Uh, Definitely. um, You actually said my name correctly. It's like very rare that people say my name correctly for the first time because it's, you know, different. But Uh this is awesome. I'm so excited. Let's get right into it. I want to start with a little bit about you. How did you first become interested in professional wrestling? Um, I was about five, so like 1997-ish was when I vividly remember. But my dad said it was like I was about three when he just put me in front of the TV and was like, here watch this. <laughs> You've also had a lot of interaction with After Buzz. You were a host on the AEW After Show. How did you begin with that team and how was your experience doing something like that? Oh wow. So I'm gonna do a long story short because we have so much to talk about. But I was actually a fan of After Buzz in 2013. Um, I saw Maria Canales was a host there and I was like, oh wow, that's kind of cool. And I just been a fan and you know one day I went on their website it says host applications. So they submitted a host application and then knowing me, I'm like, I want it now. Mm-hmm. So I just drove out there and I put up my resume. I drove out there. I gave my resume to a producer there and he said, okay, cool. We'll send you something in the email. So about, it was like during the holidays, so about a week after they came back from the holidays, I got an email saying, okay, you're going to do this interview with Christy Olsen, who is actually, at the time, was the main woman that did Raw, Smack, like, Oh, I do remember, yeah. She did the pay-per-view after, after shows, Total Divas, Total Bellas, you know, she was like the main woman to do all the wrestling stuff. Mm-hmm. And we had a great chat, and she said, you know what, I really like you, we need more women, and come on by. So um, she pretty much gave me the opportunity uh, to be a part of Lillian Garcia's podcast. She gave me the opportunity to work with X-Pac and of course X-Pac gave me that opportunity to let me stay. And then uh, she really pushed me. She like snuck me in into like the pay-per-view after shows because I was barely new. So you have to go through a course Mm -hmm. to be an official host. But I didn't get to go through that course yet. So she was like, you're going to come to the pay-per-view after shows. Just sneak in. I said, okay. (laughs) So, you know, I was on the show, you know, and then um, it just grew from there. She really, you know, you got to give credit where credit is due. And, you know, I've said this so many times, even on AfterBuzz, no matter what I'm going to say, Christy Olsen was the reason why I'm at AfterBuzz and all the fun stuff that I was able to do there. So you've done NXT or you've done WWE at AfterBuzz and you've done AEW. What has been the most enjoyable experience out of covering all of that? Like, have you met someone that you were just like a fangirl of? or anything like that? I've, I've obviously, all of us have been WWE fans, no matter what. You know, mm-hmm. WWE has, has pretty much been a part of the majority of our lives since we could remember. Right. And um, 
I liked to do, you know, the Raw and SmackDown. I did Total Divas. I did Total Bellas. But I, for me, AEW, because it was new, fresh. Mm-hmm. And it was exciting. You know, there were some things we weren't, like, we weren't um, able to do. Like, we pitched to do Impact Wrestling. But, you know, they said, no, it doesn't really fit with WWE. And, you know, we were very lucky to do the show. So um, that was fun, but we really pushed to do AEW and, you know, I had the most fun doing the AEW after show because it was just, it, it's more so the connection you have with the rest of the panel and how you vibe. Let's get into Raw. Very interesting show. I don't really know how to feel about it. So we saw on Twitter last minute, it was announced that Shane McMahon was going to be on Raw and we haven't seen Shane McMahon on Raw in a while. He was usually on SmackDown. We remember his feud with Kevin Owens and how he was the general manager over there, but now he's debuted this thing called Raw Underground, and it's this, I don't even know where, it's like in the performance center somewhere. It's dark, it's grungy, people are fighting, and there's dancers. I kind of thought of Extreme Expose when I saw them. It's just very different from what we're used to, and I was reading online that they're trying to do something new because the ratings are getting low and they're getting nervous because it's raw. You know, they expect their ratings to be at a high. Did you like the Raw Underground? I was like, wow, this reminds me of Fight Club. Uh Uh-huh. You know, it it was different. You know, we got to see some wrestlers we've seen before, like Dolph Ziggler we saw, and then um, some NXT talent. But I'm wondering what it is. I feel like in a weird way, I don't want to compare it, but I feel like what they did with Lance Archer in AEW where he was in the forest wrestling random people that just ran, that went in the ring. Mm -hmm. And then they're doing this where there's random competitors going in the ring, but there's no ropes. But I find this really interesting. I wonder, you know, I'm always curious to know behind the scenes on what was the thought because of this? Right. Why do you think this is going to become a big rating for your, for Raw? So it's interesting. We also heard that there would be a debut of the this new faction called Retribution. They didn't come this week, but they showed up on SmackDown, which was quite interesting. We saw Michael Cole run, and he just he was out of there. Like, and Corey tried to run, but he he was a little bit too slow. But this is interesting, and I was really watching, and I kept on slowing it down, pausing it because I'm really interested on who these people are. There's definitely two women in there. I think one of them might be Vanessa Bourne because of the curly hair, but I'm not 100% sure. I don't know who the other woman is. You know I'm all about the women, so I'm like, who are these people? I don't know who the men are in the group. I really can't tell. I was trying to listen to their voices, see if I could pick up on anything, but really didn't know. They're supposed to make a grand debut on Raw this week. What is there left to do? I mean, you've already caused a ruckus. What are you going to do now? Start attacking people? For me, I think the second woman is Chelsea Green. Uh, Chelsea has that, those highlights, and I saw some highlights in there, and I'm a big fan of Chelsea Green. I've been a big fan of Chelsea Green since she was in the Indies and Impact, and um, I always thought Chelsea Green should, you know, be, you know, on NXT a lot more, but I mean, you know, Vanessa Bourne, I I think it's time for her to be part of the main roster. I She's agree. been there a long time, and, you know, we got to see what she can do, and I think it's her time now, but for the men, I don't know. They kind of, you know how TV is. They look small on TV, but in real life, they're huge, so right. it's, hard, it's hard to tell, you know, 
because it's definitely not going to be one of their top stars because no. some of their stop, some of the NXT top stars really love to be at NXT. Right. So, you know, for me, for the women, I, I say it's Chelsea Green and uh, Vanessa Bourne. You know what's interesting, though? I think of, like, how Nexus was and how The Shield was and how they didn't really come out as, like, these mass characters. Like, they they just had their faces out there. And there's some type of mystique about having these people come out masked. You don't know who they are. And I think it's keeping the viewers entertained. I'm entertained because I want to know who it is. I'm nosy. But just seeing how they're interacting with each other, it seems like they mesh well together. So... We'll see what happens. I'm interested to see how far this goes, whether they split the group up or how they're going to go in terms of competition. We also saw in Raw this week something that a lot of things that just didn't make sense. The 24-7 title, Shell Benjamin lost it. Now Akira Tozawa is the champion. Here's the thing with the 24-7 title. So when they first brought it about, everyone was like, this belt is ugly. They didn't know how to feel about it. And then R-Truth and Drake Maverick really put it on the pedestal and really brought the storylines out for them, and it was entertaining to watch because it was something new. And then Gronk won the title at WrestleMania, and to be honest with you, I was kind of, like, uninterested in it after that because it seemed like WWE wanted oh so badly to do a WWE and NFL crossover, and now with coronavirus, that doesn't seem like it's going to happen at all. So they took the title off of him, and it's been hopping back and forth. What's next for it? I mean, I think they were doing such a strong job at having that title like I said with Drake Maverick and R-Truth and R-Truth has been the champion like 37 times like <laughs> Why don't just give it to him and just let him be the longest reigning 24-7 championship because he brings a lot of charismatic with that title you know of course Drake Maverick has done amazing storylines with it but R-Truth is more of the comedy type wrestler as we've seen throughout the years and I feel that that really fits him. Like, do some funny stuff with him. But at the end, like, how come there's no women going after that title? I mean, we barely saw any women go, you know, pin for the 27 title. I don't know if it's just a sensitive thing because, you know, intergender wrestling is not really, you know, mainstream, more so what it is in the independent scene. But, you know, I would love to see a woman carry on a 24-7 title. Absolutely. I don't know if you remember, was it the Raw anniversary when Kelly Kelly won it and then Candice Michelle who won it? Like that was the only interaction we saw with the women. The only woman that has actually held this title for a long time is Carmella and she was involved with R-Truth for that long time and it made sense to have the title on her. I thought she would have won it sooner, but you know, work the weight, but now what? I mean, I definitely agree with you. I think having the women involved would bring a certain flair to it. You have Sasha and Bailey representing, carrying, honestly, the whole division on their back at this point. They're on all three shows, and Asuka's killing it, EO's killing it, but what about the 24-7 title? Let's do something different with it. So hopefully they listen to this podcast and they think, wow, <laughs> let's do something different. Nia Jax was suspended, which is honestly a really weird call. So last week she attacked Pat Buck, who is a WWE official, and now they've suspended her, and odd timing, 
I don't know if she's injured. She just came off the injured list. It seemed like they were going to go right into a feud with her and Shayna Baszler, which I think would have been interesting to watch, seeing two women that are known for their strength in the ring, going at it, maybe showcase that and also show, hey, I'm stronger than you. But who knows what's next? We saw Shayna Baszler go up against Sasha Banks on Raw. And I feel like they don't really know what to do with Shayna Baszler at this point. And it's a little bit disappointing. What do you think about it? In the beginning, when Shayna Baszler came into WWE, I wasn't as a big as, as a fan of her because I was like, oh man, another MMA going into WWE, like, come on. But I, I looked into her past. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. She has done indie shows. She has been in the independent scene. Okay. And I'm, I started to become a fan of hers, you know, and I really like that she's brings that heel persona. That's just her. Because, you know, the there's women, they're be, be a baby face the rest of your career because that's what you're good at. Right. Like Kelly Kelly, for instance, like, I can never see Kelly Kelly be a heel. Like, come on, girl. No. You're just way too nice. Which is not a bad thing. Which is totally not a bad thing. But with Shayna, I think that she needs to be a heel and stay a heel. I think she's doing fantastic on, you know, Raw. But I feel like we really need to see Shayna Baszler on Raw more. Absolutely. And, you know, with the whole Nia Jax thing, it's so curious. I'm not sure if there's the the writers have something else for her or if they're like, okay, you know, we'll bring you back. And then maybe some she did some testing and it came out not so good. I mean, mm, but good I mean, point. As, I mean, as what I've seen on Total Divas, I'm trying to, you know, think about how they go and be like, okay, you know, we're going to have you wrestle, but, you know, you have your test came back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. That could be it too. I mean, WWE has been very interesting lately. It seems as though everything is on the fly with a lot of the stuff that they do and could be because of everything going on with COVID and superstars testing positive and other stuff going on where they just have to snatch people out of the storylines that they're in, but definitely was not expecting this one with Nia Jax. We also saw in Rob Apollo Crews defeated MVP to become the quote unquote true U.S. champion. And MVP challenged Apollo to a match at SummerSlam for that U.S. title. And I got to admit, I really like this whole faction with Shelton Benjamin, MVP, and Bobby Lashley. It is something that I didn't expect Shelton Benjamin to get involved in. And I feel like Shelton Benjamin is one of the most talented superstars that they have on the roster. And he has been there for so long that a lot of people, whether they, you know, haven't watched WWE in a while or they're just starting to watch they might not know how talented he is. And WWE hasn't really done a good job at incorporating him. I don't know if he's in catering. I don't know what. But I'm glad that they've been able to put the 24-7 title on him and also include him in this hurt business faction. But I don't know. I think Apollo, this is his time. You know, MVP, he's been in WWE before. He's had his U.S. championship reigns. And Apollo really hasn't had his moment. This is the first time in my opinion, that he's really had a moment to shine and showcase how talented he is. And having MVP as a veteran in the ring, I think he's been able to work really well with Apollo. So I'm looking forward to their rematch. Oh, yeah, totally. I have to agree with you on Apollo and everything. You know, he he is now, uh, I feel like he's definitely a star. And he's very athletic. And, of course, like with Shelton Benjamin, you know, I think one thing that they should bring back, just to bring, like, you know, like, WWE always brings back old, you know, old-timers. Not old-timers, but, you know, people from the past. I think we need to bring Shelton Benjamin's mama back because that was a fun (laughs) storyline. I was a very young teenager when that storyline came out. And it was just great. It was very entertaining. And I think we we need to see Shelton Benjamin's mama come back and, 
maybe uh, straighten up MVP a little bit. I think back to when I first started watching wrestling, and he was the world's greatest tag team with Charlie Haas. And they were such a good tag team. And I felt like for a while there, WWE really tried to almost reenact that with um, Chad Gable or Shorty G. It seemed like that's where they were going. And that would have made perfect sense. But, you know, Sheldon Benjamin, unfortunately, was really lost in the fray. But like you said, maybe they need to bring his mama back in. He needs some type of pizzazz. Put him on that level that we know he's capable of. We saw an appearance this week on SmackDown from Stephanie McMahon via Zoom, Skype, whatever her favorite video conferencing communication outlet is. And she interrupted Bailey and Sasha's segment to announce that there will be a triple show Battle Royal to crown the number one contender for Bailey's championship at SummerSlam. And Bailey and Sasha look shocked. I don't think they expected Stephanie McMahon to drop a bomb on them like that. I'm looking forward to this. I think it is going to be incredible, especially because you have all these women that could be involved. Hopefully they do showcase all the women that they have signed to their brands. I mean, that would make the most sense in a battle royal, but I'm really looking forward to seeing how it's done. How are you feeling about this? Do you think, or who do you think would win something like this? I want to see an NXT woman, but that's just me. Yeah, I think, I honestly... I think it's going to be Shayna Baszler. I think that's something that we we haven't seen much of Shayna Baszler on Raw, but I think this would be her time to shine and become, you know, facing the number one contender. Or it could just be Nia Jax. I mean, she was suspended hmm. and she magically appears after her suspension. So, I mean, it, it can go either both ways. But, you know, per- personally, I wouldn't mind an NXT women. It's time for them absolutely a yeah lot of them we haven't seen and some we have and i think that most of the times it's their time to shine don't get me wrong you know sasha and bailey they're great they're talented they're amazing but i think it's time for us to see new championships and new women to be champions not the same that we always see all the time on nxt we saw a number one contenders match for the women's championship dakota kai versus rhea ripley i love this match and i love the involvement Mercedes Martinez at the end and after the match and I was actually expecting Rhea to win this even though it seemed like they really planted the seeds for Dakota to be that number one contender after the match with Tegan Knox and Io Shirai a couple weeks ago but something inside of me was like Rhea's gonna win this she's gonna take it this is gonna be your opportunity but we saw Dakota Kai pick up the win I'm not mad at it Dakota Kai she's really talented and it's interesting to see how she's been working without Raquel Gonzalez so I don't know I don't know if Raquel's gonna get involved in this title match or maybe Dakota Kai will go at it alone but I'm really looking forward to Rhea versus Mercedes Martinez I feel like these two are so incredible and Mercedes Martinez has been on the indies for so long she's finally in NXT and she's part of this Robert Stone brand and honestly she wears the pants in that whole faction and she means business and I'm excited to see her go against Rhea I feel like we have really haven't seen Mercedes Martinez with a real storyline yet. And for her first one to be Rhea Ripley, I'm here for it. Definitely. I mean, Mercedes Martinez has been in the game for like 20 years. And I believe that this is another another opportunity for her and uh, for her time to shine and to show like, hey, you know, I'm not a joke. Like, I'm in business. And I like how we get to see someone the sizes of Rhea Ripley and Mercedes Martinez. They're both what are they like similar height to me they do but i don't know i i really am pretty excited for this match but very interesting on how like their matches are going to go because we've never seen them face each other in a match 
much. So we don't know right. how much communication in the ring is going to be. For me, I'm pretty excited for this one. We have to get to this. Have you heard about this Pat McAfee and Adam Cole mess? Oh, gosh. This is <laughs> I love it. So I had the chance to be on the Rest Friends podcast where we actually talked about this. And let's kind of cover it. So July 23rd, the whole thing happened where Adam Cole was on Pat McAfee's show. He went off. He was yelling. He was cussing because Pat McAfee basically said that Without the Undisputed Era, Adam Cole wouldn't have been anything, which is a bold claim. He shouldn't have gone there, but everyone was like, is this a work or not? And I'm kind of like, really, y'all, like 100% of work. I knew it from the get-go. But And then we saw a couple days later, Triple H appeared on Pat's show and offered an opportunity for Pat to appear on NXT to iron out his differences with Adam on the April 5th NXT. So as soon as Triple H came on the show, I was like, okay, this confirmed everything that we needed to know. This is a work. And we also heard that Adam Cole went and apologized to Pat McAfee over text. So these two, Adam Cole is on commentary. Pat McAfee is wherever. He comes out of nowhere and they kind of go back and forth. And then Pat McAfee pretty much goes at Adam Cole's hide again, which is something that pissed him off in the first place. Called him a And somehow Pat McAfee punted Adam Cole. It was just such a weird thing. And then Triple H is pushing Pat McAfee away. And Pat McAfee, he was almost the heel, which intrigued me because Undisputed Era has been this heel faction from the get-go. There's been no indication of them turning face at any point. And now seeing that Adam Cole is in this storyline where he's being portrayed as a face, it makes you wonder, is the whole faction going to turn face? Is it just Adam? What's next? But... These two are facing off at TakeOver 30. I'm looking forward to it. Pat McAfee, I don't think he's ever wrestled before. He's only been in the NFL, so I don't know. Maybe he's been training on the side, but... I love it. When I saw it, I was like, oh, it's I mean, come on. You know, <laughs> really, it ain't the first time somebody outside of wrestling has made fun of a wrestler and then it didn't come into a match. I mean, look what happened with one of the WrestleManias where the SNL guys were. Oh, yes, smack. I remember that. Yeah, and then they had a Mania match. But, you know, I mean, first of all, I think Adam Cole is so talented. You know, everyone in the Undisputed Era are talented as heck. You know, I've been watching those guys since. And when they were in Ring of Honor and when they wrestled here in California and PWG. And, you know, Adam Cole was part of the whole Bullet Club thing. So for seeing, doing all of this and calling Adam Cole small, it's not, I find it hilarious because that means you're, you're making fun of not only just Adam Cole, who is quote unquote small, but you're making fun of other wrestlers who are in the past, like Shawn Michaels, 123Kid, Rey Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero, and so on and so forth, who were never a huge, huge, mostly top star. So I think for me, this is pure entertainment. I like it, and I can't wait for Adam Cole to beat him up. (laughs) I have to add a side note in here. The whole thing with Adam Cole and him saying that Adam Cole is short is very interesting because I did some research and they said that Adam Cole is six feet, right? And if you look at pictures and you look at different people have posted pictures and they say their height and Adam Cole is shorter than them. And I'm kind of like, hmm, it's just really intriguing. And we've heard this a long time in the WWE, you know, them falsifying their WrestleMania numbers and the heights of people. So I think it's interesting that they kind of threw that in there because they know fans would be like, hmm, is Adam Cole really six foot? I really want to know how the Google searches increased for Adam Cole when that whole thing happened because, you know, people were up on there trying to figure out if he's six foot or not. Let's get into our newest segment, Sip and Tell. This has some AEW news, and I know you're here for that. AEW announced their new membership for their heels. So AEW heels has been a really good thing, and I've really enjoyed watching 
the growth of it so far. It's a female-focused wrestling community led by AEW Chief Brand Officer Brandi Rhodes and the stars of AEW's women division. Earlier this week, they announced the launch of their new fan membership platform. So this platform is dedicated to female wrestling fans where they can access AEW exclusive content and other special benefits all in a safe environment with an annual pay subscription of $49. And they get virtual meet and greets, video conferences with discussions with industry experts, Q&A sessions with talent, merch, special promotions. Like there's a bunch of stuff involved, but a lot of people weren't happy this week when this came out and they saw $49. And I think it was really split. I saw a lot of people who are very dedicated to AEW as a whole and especially AEW heels who had no problem with the $49. They thought that the deal that they're getting for this with all of the perks is worth it. And then a lot of people were like, well, $49 in a pandemic, why are they charging this? I'm like in the middle on this. I think it could have been done a little bit better. I think $49, it can and it can't be a lot. It definitely depends on who you're asking and they should have been a little bit more conscious. I think their first video call was $20 and now they're asking for more money. And I saw someone tweet that you're building this community of women, are you having people that identify as women as well involved in this? Also, you're claiming that you're building this quote-unquote community, but you're having people pay to be involved in the community. So I understood what they were saying, and I also understand the mentality of them doing like a pay membership, but I get it. The timing is weird. It's a pandemic. People have lost their jobs. So people aren't happy. They feel that AEW should be giving us this content for free. But think about WWE, for example. They have the network that's $10 a month. You might be paying for the network. You might not. But I feel like both companies, they're giving stuff for money. They're expecting people to pay. So what did you think? Well, I actually bought it. I bought the AEW Hills. I did. I was one of those because I look at it as an opportunity to network and make connections. And as somebody who has worked in the wrestling atmosphere, the wrestling journalists, um, worked with wrestlers personally. I mean, I worked with X-Pac. I mean, that's like, like in my opinion, that's like the biggest thing I could accomplish in my wrestling career. But I mean, I see it on everyone's perspective. I understand what's going on. And if it's not for you, it's not for you. And there's no need to attack people on social media because they have a different opinion on what they think. You know, I've seen a lot where it was, you need to show your women on TV a lot more. Look what type of generation we're living in. We're living in a generation where everything is social media. We're mostly, a lot of people, there's a lot of people that don't watch TV. A lot Mm -hmm. of millennials, a lot of Gen Zs, maybe, you know, the Gen X. And a lot of them, they don't really watch TV. It's more so social media, what's going on, Facebook, YouTube. And when you look back before AEW started, the elite, they all started on YouTube. Mm -hmm. They made a YouTube platform. And in my opinion, I think this is like the women are being shown no matter if it's on TV or YouTube and they're getting paid. And I'm sure some are not even complaining. I'm sure, you know what? I'm on TV and it doesn't matter if I'm on YouTube or on TV, I'm getting a paycheck. And I look at it as that way, but I find it silly that people are just complaining online about it. You know, if it's not for you, it's not for you. And it's mostly, I'm going to be honest, it's mostly the men. Get out of here. You don't, you have no idea what it's like to be a woman, especially in wrestling. We need a lot of women to come, you know, to meet together. But 
I subscribed to it. I enjoyed the meeting. It was very interesting. You know, we got to learn a lot about Aubrey Edwards. Like personally, I, I had the opportunity to meet Aubrey at a, re a local wrestling show here in California. And this was like before the show started because I worked for a company where um, we did t-shirt designs for the wrestlers. So I would always go in before the show started and give the wrestlers their shirt. And um, I met her and she was very kind. And we chit-chatted about the same things that she mentioned, how she was, you know, worked for a gaming company and all this other stuff. And I was like, oh, wow. And like, she told me how she got, became a referee. And she pretty much mentioned all that stuff. And I don't mind doing, you know, having Q&A sessions. Some, you know, a lot of us don't know a lot, many of these women on AEW. I feel like it's it's a good idea. I mean, 50 bucks for whole gear compared to WWE's uh, $10 a month. I bet How did you feel about the tag competition that they have currently that's only being displayed on YouTube. I saw a lot of comments on that this week after it was announced that it was on YouTube. They didn't say that in the original marketing. That rubbed a lot of people the wrong way too. We saw Tay Conti, who was previously in WWE, part of their NXT roster. And we saw Arian Andrews, who was known as Cameron in WWE involved. And I think a lot of people thought, oh my God, Arian's on AEW television. Now she's going to be on AEW television a part of this tag competition and then it was announced oh it's live on YouTube and people were like you aren't showing your women's division enough and now you're putting them on YouTube. I know you mentioned you know these women they're getting their paychecks as a fan how do you feel about it being on YouTube? Are you okay with that? Do you think it's okay with them having it on there or would you rather see it on TV? I mean I don't watch AEW normally I kind of follow along with like the articles and stuff but I was shocked. I thought something like that, especially with the planning that goes into it, bringing different teams in, I definitely thought they would have had it on their show on a weekly basis. You know, look what they're doing on AEW Dark. They're not having AEW Dark on, on TV. Right. You know, um, and then there's a lot of male wrestlers who are on AEW Dark that we don't get to see on television. Right. Uh, so for me, I, it doesn't bother me as a wrestling fan. I think it's because I been a part of the business for quite some time and I understand the lingo of it and I really divide myself as becoming a fan and then understanding the business mm. um, I spoke to like a, a Scorpio Sky is a personal friend of mine and he and I talked about you know the whole what's going on in AEW and stuff and you know for me it, as long as I get to see women's wrestling no matter where I'm glad I get to see it it's on YouTube it's free I don't have TV I don't have cable. I'm not going to go buy TNT's uh, streaming service. Mm -hmm. But if there's an option for me to watch it for free, heck yeah, why not? I don't, I don't have a problem. But, I mean, if those women are getting their paychecks, shoot, they're getting their paychecks. Let's get into some contract news. Eric Young signed an exclusive deal with Impact Wrestling. And he also stated in the same interview that he thinks he has six or seven years left in the tank. It's kind of sad, almost, thinking about how he was in WWE for all that time and his potential wasn't reached. He had an amazing team insanity and once they got promoted to that main roster it just it didn't hit how it was supposed to and I expected Eric Young to do amazing 
amazing things in WWE, but I feel like maybe they didn't realize what they had. I mean, some companies don't realize what they had until it's too late. And now he's back at his home, Impact Wrestling. So I'm very interested to see what Eric Young does in this span of time that he thinks he has left. We also heard that Rey Mysterio is set to stay with WWE for the foreseeable future since his son Dominic is wrestling there as well. So that makes the most sense. But very interestingly, rumor has it that AEW did offer him a very lucrative deal, but he still went with WWE. And then finally, MVP announced that he signed a multi-year contract with WWE. As we mentioned earlier, MVP is a veteran. He's been there since the 2000s, like late 2000s. And I think he has had a really crucial role in this new storyline with Shelton Benjamin and Bobby Lashley. So keeping him around for a multi-year contract just makes the most sense at this point. Yeah, you know, Rey Mysterio for, will always be a legend. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Bonafide Hall of Famer, just legend, legend, legend. And every every person has a different experience with WWE, no matter if you've been there for 20 years, five years, three years, or a year. And I think with WWE, I think that's more so for, like, that's, that's Rey Mysterio. Mm-hmm. I grew up watching Rey Mysterio. You grew up watching Rey Mysterio. And for me, SmackDown, to me, is the heart of Rey Mysterio. I agree. So, SmackDown, there was Undertaker, there was Batista. Mysterio, Batista, Edge, and Eddie Guerrero. That, that's like in the mid to like 2001, six, seven, eight, nine. I feel like with Rey, I think, that, I think he probably wants to just retire at WWE, and that's, you know, that's for him. And it makes a lot of sense with the storyline with Dominic being a part of the WWE. I agree. I know you've probably heard about this whole thing with live events coming back, and there has been a lot of news recently with it. So Vince McMahon noted to his investors that he has a quote-unquote B plan on standby, but didn't give out any details. So I'm assuming the B plan is a backup in case Florida gets shut down anytime soon. According to this article, which is from the Observer Newsletter, They have a television studio at WWE's corporate offices in Stanford, Connecticut with the plan, being that they would devise the setting of the venue to look very similar to the Performance Center. I also saw earlier this week from the Observer Newsletter as well that WWE is likely to make a decision on next year's WrestleMania sometime over the next few months just so that they're able to start promoting the event. I don't know. I I don't think it's looking too good for that. Los Angeles, the whole West Coast, things are starting to shut down again if they're not shut down. And thinking about April or March, April time, I don't see it happening, but we'll keep an eye on it. WWE says that Florida, while, you know, it's still in bad shape in terms of the pandemic, they would welcome WrestleMania, of course. And that's where WWE has been holding all their shows. And finally, WWE also thinks that they're ready to resume live programming later this month, which absolutely blows my mind. WrestleVotes put this out earlier this week that they want to start with Friday Night Smackdown immediately before SummerSlam. And SummerSlam is what? A couple weeks away? Ah, Jesus. (laughs) Vince McMahon will just, no matter what, will make sure the show goes on. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, look what happened with Owen Hart. You know, rest in peace, you know, one of the greats. After he passed away, the show went on. And he, you know, and they announced that he passed away on TV. As somebody would be smart, stop the damn show and would be like, oh my God, like, this is crazy. So it doesn't surprise me that Vince and everyone, you know, some people in WWE will continue to do their shows uh, or figure out another way to continue their shows, no matter what, you know, a difference in Florida, Connecticut, or somewhere in the Midwest that's allowing wrestling shows. They, he will do it. 
And unfortunately, it's, it's sad because you really want your employees to be healthy and safe. In all honesty, it's okay. It's okay to, to stop WWE, you know, if they really can't. A lot of us dressing fans, I think, really needed a break with wrestling. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this whole thing was like, all right, cool. Like, we're taking a break from wrestling. It's, it's really cool. It's, it, for me, it was a big fresh air. Because going to local shows was exhausting. It's like, I want to go because it's so fun. And then you're, you know, spending, and then you realize how much money you're spending every month just go to just going to a local show. And then also continue watching Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW. That's like four wrestling shows a week. Right. You know, I mean, it's still four shows a week. But I mean, this man is an interesting man. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's been really interesting to see how this whole thing has played out, especially since, you know, people have tested positive, people have been upset because people weren't wearing masks at first, and now we're thinking about live events, and, you know, we've been covering it for a while, seeing the atmosphere of them bringing back live events and rumored evolution and stuff like that, and now seeing that they're thinking about starting live programming this month is just it's insane to me I think while fans are going to these shows in other cities or states or whatever I don't see a large-scale event like WWE happening it's simply impossible you have this large stadium how are you going to regulate people staying six feet apart people wearing their mask people not showing up if they're sick it just I don't know maybe they have a game plan of how they're going to successfully run a show during a pandemic but based on their amount of people that they bring out to their shows it just seems impossible to me yeah I mean just leave it how it is I mean I don't mind you know seeing the other wrestlers around uh like where the audience sits I think it's it's very good because we get to see other people that are are contracted with WWE that we probably haven't seen yet and, you know, we get to see their, you know, emotions or interactions with, you know, the other wrestlers that are on, that are inside the ring. I mean, Shotzi is doing a great job entertaining everybody. Oh, yeah. <laughs> on, you know, I mean, I see that green hair girl, like, you're, you're doing a fantastic job just entertaining everybody while being a fan. Of course, I think that they just need to stay in Florida, just stay there. Thank you, Anissa, for joining me today on Wrestling Wind Down. Where can the people find you on social media? Well, thank you for having me. This was such a blast. Um, you can follow me on uh, Instagram and Twitter at Anissa Bar, but it was three R's at the end. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Wrestling Wind Down. You can find all of our other episodes available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and wherever else you listen to your podcast. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at WWDCAST. Our new website is also coming soon. Let us know what you thought about the episode. What was your favorite part? We upload episodes with brand new co-hosts every week. Until next time, enjoy your wine, and of course, enjoy your wrestling. Cheers! Cheers.